Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Bitter, and today I have a solo episode for you, which for those of you who are new to the show means I am going to go over a couple of topics or questions that got sent in from the listeners. So as we go through this one, just keep in mind, if you have a topic or question that you want me to address on a future episode like this, feel free to reach out to me and let me know what that is. I will oftentimes put out a uh, call for these things on social media as well. So keep an eye out there if you if you want. Otherwise, you can shoot me an email at hpopodcast at gmail.com or reach out to me on social media at Zach Bitter on Instagram and at Z Bitter on Twitter are the best ways to do that. Uh, before we get rolling with the questions, I do have one thing that I want to chat about a little bit that wasn't a listener question, but a topic that I thought was really interesting. In fact, I actually turned it into my first newsletter of the year. So this year I'm planning on sending out a newsletter about once per week with either a topic or some updates that I think are important, fun, interesting. So if you want to hear about that stuff, you can sign up for that newsletter by going to my website at zackbitter.com. And then on the top, there are some tabs up there. One of them is called newsletter. If you click on that tab, it'll take you to the sign up for that. And then you'll get the newsletter sent right to your inbox, as well as the link to the live document on the website if you want to read it through the browser as well. Uh, but the topic I addressed on that first one is actually to do with like pacing and crewing and just like some of the thoughts that I had about that after this last weekend's race that my wife did the Bandera 100 kilometer and between the two, the pacing one was a thing I found really interesting because like a lot of ultra marathons nowadays or races, even in general, I think you get this, like this situation where the motivation to go out faster than what you'll end up averaging or too fast ultimately <laughs> is really great. And I think we just see that happen probably a little more consistently when you have fields that are very competitive because you got more talent, more anxiety, more nerves, more incentive to really just kind of like push the envelope a little bit. And I just touched on a little bit about just like kind of the pacing aspect of things on that newsletter and, and how that maybe played out at the Bandera hundred kilometer this year. If you're really interested in a deep dive on that though, should check out my episode with uh, with Nick Curry. It's episode 294, I believe. So Nick is what I would consider probably the strongest advocate for negative splitting ultramarathons. And the reason I find that really interesting is if you look at the data on ultramarathons, you know, even course records and things like that, in some world records too, they're they're skewed heavily towards positive splits and a lot of times not even small positive splits. I think there's some wiggle room with positive splitting and still finding your best self on the day, more or less. But I think it's probably a much tighter margin than what we typically see. And when you look at even like Nicole's race, which was a very strong finish relative to the field moving from, I believe she was in like seventh or eighth place early on and ended up in second. You know, she still ran roughly 30 minutes slower on the second loop of the 250 kilometer loop course. Granted, weather has some things to do with that. Uh, just the length of these events, there's maybe some things that are at play that make it a little less conducive than say a shorter endurance race. But I do think like one of the bigger steps in terms of course record improvement 
or world record improvement beyond just a new dearth of talent entering the sport will be better pacing at some of these bigger events. So in terms of what that'll take, uh, you know, likely what it will probably take is like a group of some of the faster folks in the field, all sort of pacing maybe a little more conservatively so that there's less likely the situation of one person going out guns blazing, drawing the rest of the field out with them, which does make it difficult because ultimately you're going to have folks who are either better or in better shape on the day that they may actually be running a pretty sustainable pace. Whereas the, you know, five, six, maybe 10 people behind them aren't. And then you just see a lot more, a lot more of those slower finishes than, than you would otherwise. So, all right. So that's my kind of review and plug for the newsletter episode or edition, I guess I should say. So if you want to check that out, you can subscribe to that. All right. So the two questions for the day I packed together because I feel like they have some similarity within them. And they, they one has to do with essentially training load or proper ways to structure your training specifically with like maximum aerobic function or your maximum aerobic training time. And the next one has to do with just rest time after ultras. So I'm going to go through some of this. And uh, if I hit on something that you want me to dive in deeper or have further questions on, definitely feel free to reach out. All right. Before we get rolling, just a couple quick announcements. If you want to support the show, you can do that through a few ways. Head over to zachbetter.com forward slash HPO. From there, you can link over to the show Patreon page, which comes with some perks if you support the show through there, which include early release audio options, as well as ad-free audio episodes. If you want to support the show, but not through Patreon, there are also some options at zachbearcom forward slash HPO for that as well. On that page, it's actually the landing page for the entire app or the entire podcast. So if you want to see the back catalog topics, details, and things like that for previous episodes, not a bad spot to check those out there either. If you want to help me grow the show, one way to do that is to like, subscribe, and share the episodes you like or the whole show if you enjoy every episode with your friends, family, and followers on social media. So if you want to help that, help me out that way, um, it's a great way to do it. Finally, if you happen to be in Austin and you want to meet up, I host a weekly group run on Sunday mornings at Mets Park. It's called Outliers ATX for weekly details on that. You can head over to their Instagram page, which is just at Outliers ATX. Right now we have two options at 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. The 9 a.m. group tends to be the larger one and they both have a variety of options. They are all comers. So whether you want to walk, run, whether you want to go six miles, do both the 8 a.m. or the 9 a.m. one, or just something a little shorter, like two and a half miles or four miles, we've got options for you in a variety of different individuals and paces for you to partner up with. So if you're in Austin or visiting and you want to check that out, head over to at outliers ATX on Instagram. Finally, if you're looking for a little bit extra support in your training, I offer a wide range of coaching options from ready-made plans all the way up to working one-on-one with me, which you can scale all the way up to very frequent contact. So if you're interested in that or to just set up a consultation for a time to chat about a topic or something that uh, you want to ask me, you can do all of that at zachbitter.com. All right, let's get going. So first topic came in from Mikhail Novosti. 
And Mikhail said or asked, what is the optimal maximum aerobic training time? I've done long runs from one hour and 30 minutes to four hours and notice a sweet spot of two hours. Is it better to do three times a week of two hours or one 45 or I'm sorry, one four hour session and three 45 minute sessions between them? So basically what Mikhail is asking, is it better to push up towards that sweet spot and do fewer runs at a higher volume per, or do one, what I would call like big run or aggressive run at four hours. And then in order to try to get close to normalizing the total volume between those two scenarios, fill in the gaps with three shorter 45 minute runs. So this is a great question, and here's what to consider when structuring your training volume at your maximum aerobic function. First, is there a limit? Yes, there is a limit. However, it is going to be very individual. So essentially, the limit at the individual level is the point at which the quality of the target intensity begins to degrade. This is a sign you have reached the limit, and recovery is the next step before returning to that activity again. With that said, if you were to fully exhaust a single session before stopping, you would have to weigh how long it would take to recover from that session and properly target it again. If the time between finishing and the next session is long enough where it absorbs the opportunity to do another session, you could end up with lower overall volume at the goal intensity over time, which you wouldn't necessarily want to do in terms of maximizing your development at that intensity. So for example, if you find that your quality begins to degrade at say two hours, uh, you would likely want to stop just before that. So you have a speedier recovery timeline and can go back to it sooner. And then ultimately over time, you should notice that the time it takes for that quality to degrade will begin to extend. So like with consistency and proper recovery, you should see that this two hour point will begin to increase where now you can take that intensity out a little bit further. Um, or that I should say that that effort a little bit further before you notice it to kind of start to degrade to some degree. Uh, there'll be a limit on that too. Like if you're fully developed in that, so to speak, then you know, there'll be a point where you're not gonna necessarily add more time to it or you run out of available time to do it, in which case then what you would hope to see is you an improved pace at that intensity so that you're still making improvements, but just not with an extension of volume, so to speak. And that will likely take perhaps some addition of speed work or something else to kind of further stimulate or increase that training load. So the next thing to consider when framing your training here is, will you get a smaller increase in performance gain with longer sessions or less time between sessions? This is similar to blocking workouts. So like if you go back to like speed work sessions and you decide you're going to block them, the research would suggest that you will get a small increase in performance from blocking your workouts by putting like say back-to-back -back days of speed work. The big if here though, is if you can do it and maintain the quality of those sessions and the recovery time, like mentioned before, doesn't extend to the point that you're taking future training opportunities off the table. So here's an example of this that I like to share sometimes when it comes to like longer runs or ultra marathon, like back-to-back -back long runs and that sort of thing, or doing races instead of back-to-back -back long runs is these training camps or specifically like the Western States 100 endurance race training camp. It is set up in a way where you'd cover over 70% of the course over a three-day period. 
So it goes day one is about 50 kilometers where you run from Robinson's flat to forest Hill. Then day two, you do approximately 18 miles where you run from forest Hill down to the river crossing and then up to driver's flat. And then on day three, you come back for a final session of approximately 22 to 23 miles where you're going to go from driver's flat, cross the river, and then ultimately to the finish line at the Auburn high school uh, track. So doing it like this ensures you get that volume at goal intensity that you may be looking for. But when spread out over those three days, you will reduce the recovery recovery time compared to a similar effort over 70 miles straight or over that same distance straight. So um, essentially, if you were to say, instead of doing that three-day training camp, start at Robinson's Flat and run that entire route nonstop, uh, you would likely take on a much larger amount of recovery time to bounce back from that than when you spread it out over three days. So essentially same training load, but bigger gap between when you're able to go back and do a similar session. Also, you're increasing your injury risk by doing something that that long in sustained versus breaking it up. The other thing to consider though, is, is like I said, injury risk, you will likely reduce that injury risk by doing more frequent, shorter sessions. So if you have a higher risk of injury or returning from an injury, it may be wise to start out with shorter, more frequent sessions. And as your durability improves, consider fewer, longer sessions with reason following that advice previously mentioned. Uh, so to answer the question specifically, if you notice quality dip after two hours, you would likely achieve less overall volume per week at target intensity by doing the setup that includes that four hour session with three 45 minute sessions versus the three, two hour sessions. So if we can assume that like your sweet spot is two hours going to four is likely going to stretch beyond that. So unless your goal is something other than uh, time at that intensity that you're targeting, then uh, you're going to probably get more quality or more actual volume at that target intensity by splitting it up than doing it with uh, that big bulk there. So although this example would include an extra 15 minutes, I believe, in that first set, uh, I would suggest in terms of kind of like laying out the comparison, try to equalize time so that they're an apples to apples comparison, albeit 15 minutes isn't going to be something super drastic at the end of the day. Uh, maybe if it's compounded over week after week after week, it could though. Uh, final thing to consider schedule people's availability to train can vary drastically. So when working with clients, I'll see this all the time. Some folks will have like large blocks of time to train where others more like their schedule looks more like kind of like a checkerboard. So making sure your training program fits your other areas of life is an important aspect to consider because it's just going to make it sustainable and doable over time. And this may actually dictate what direction you end up going here. Uh, one thing worth considering here though, is getting the proper volume at goal intensity is going to move the needle much further than any small improvement you may get from the way you kind of arrange it in terms of like more frequency uh, shorter volume versus less frequency, higher volume per session. All right. Like I said, if you have any follow-up questions to that or anything kind of similar to that, you'd like me to address, feel free to reach out. Uh, second and final question for this episode is how much running rest time after ultra? I have heard one day per 10 miles. What is your advice? Okay. So 
there are a few different metrics that kind of float around in the endurance world in regards to recovery time after a race. I actually remember in my early 20s, I heard some people mentioning at an event that you want to make sure you take a day for every mile raced. Granted, I believe this was more towards like before resuming structure training versus like complete rest from running where like, you know, you do a 10 mile race. Now you got to keep your feet up on the couch for 10 days or something like that. But either way, I wouldn't read into that sort of that sort of framing all that much as there are simply going to be too many factors individually and the event intensity duration itself to really rely on these types of formats in order to gauge what you at the individual level are actually going to to need. So let me give you an example of this here. Let's say I decided to train for a mountain ultra hundred mile race that has very long downhill sections on the course. Throughout that training, I do no downhill running, no eccentric leg strength work, or rely on anything to specifically address the downhill nature of the course. And then on top of it, on race day, I decide to bomb down the long descents on the course. Now, let's imagine I do basically the opposite. I prepare on long downhill descents while peaking for the event. I do eccentric lower body strength in my training. And on race day, I run conservatively on the descents so as to not overextend myself on sections of the course that may increase the amount of muscle damage that will occur during that event itself. Following the first framework, I will certainly need more time to recover from that event versus the second approach where my body and race day strategy likely put me in a position to recover sooner because both my body and strategy better positioned the load acquired on race day and therefore ability to recover from it. So now this is an extreme example, but I think it shows the point that it does depend with all that said, I do believe there are some things that are worth considering when returning from an ultra to increase the likelihood you do so in a sustainable manner. And I actually did touch on this uh, approach more specifically on episode 324, which is titled 100 Mile Recovery and Brazos 100 Mile Recap, if you're interested in kind of more details on this topic. But to kind of summarize it for this episode, um, after a goal race where the intent is to fully extend, I like to give myself two weeks at least if needed from structured training. Typically after the first two to three days, the deeper muscle soreness has resolved. This allows for some light movement, stretching, mobility. This light movement can help get things going in the right direction versus feeling like you're trying to like stretch the tightest rubber band ever invented during your first run back when you do get back to it. After a week, I open the door to do some very light running but only if I really feel motivated and excited and never make it structured to the degree that I covered a specific distance or time. I give myself an easy out. So for example, in the past, I have left the house for an easy unstructured test run during that second week out from a race. And as soon as I started, I realized I was not mentally or physically ready. So I stopped immediately and went for a walk instead. So other times I felt great during those, those second week out kind of test runs. Um, but I still always make sure I'm able to stop as soon as it's not fun or motivating anymore. Uh, this is just because it's important to be honest with yourself here and understand as a runner, you are very likely biased towards pushing the envelope to get back. So if in doubt, give yourself a bit of extra time, especially after these goal races where you're more likely to fully extend. Um, 
after two weeks, this is where I'll usually open the door to return to some structured training, but I am not going to ramp right back into it the way that I would have been training, like at the end of that training block before tapering for that previous race. So I do it conservatively. And oftentimes I'll start with something as little as 20 to 25% of the total volume from my previous buildup and then increase slowly over the course of a few weeks before returning to typical volume. I really want to emphasize paying attention to the motivation during these two weeks is really, really important because it's not uncommon that I'll see someone get back into training, feeling good physically, but then they realize once they are in the thick of their next training session, next training build up for a race, they have lost kind of a little bit of an edge on the desire to go through a full training program again. And if you're interested in just like just the power of desire and motivation in terms of what ends up happening on your performance, it's pretty impressive to the point where it almost crowds out even some things that we would think is maybe a little more important when it comes to like actually executing on race day. So that's a different topic for a different day that I'll probably be doing in the not too distant future. But all right. I think that's all we got for this one. If, like I said, you have questions, you want topics you want me to cover, feel free to reach out to me and let me know what they are. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. Hey folks, thanks for checking out this episode of the podcast. For those of you who are regular listeners, you'll likely know I'm also a professional endurance athlete and coach. If you're looking for a little extra help with your training and programming, I do offer individualized coaching options where you can work directly with me one-on-one. I'll personalize your plan and even scale it up to email collaboration and regular consultations. You can also access either of those on their own if you just want to contact me as you're navigating your fitness journey. I also have some ready-made plans. The ready-made plans follow my coaching philosophy and they scale from five kilometers all the way up to a hundred miles and come in three different levels. So whether you're a beginner, intermediate or advanced, I've got something for you there. And most recently, I also just added a strength athletes guide to endurance program, which will help someone who is primarily a strength athlete who wants to either do an endurance event for the fun of it, bolster up their cardiovascular fitness, or just try something out, try something new. So those programs are built to be able to supplement a strength program so you won't have to give up on your gains in the gym while you're going after some running or endurance-related fitness goals. You can find all those things on my website at zachbitter.com. Thanks for checking out this episode.